Hello, my name is Larry Dobrow. I'm the executive editor of MMM, and I'd like to welcome you to a sponsored podcast with Amar Dugasani, the president of HealthLink. Amar, many thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, Larry. It was a great pleasure to be talking to you. So yeah, you know, we, uh, we've talked a couple times recently, um, most recently about the MMM Healthcare Marketers Survey, which is going to be debuting around the same time that this podcast is published. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, we'll talk a little bit about a digital state of the union. But before we get going, um, it's the question that we start off all of our interviews with nowadays. How are you? Um, how is HealthLink? How is everybody weathering the continued storm that we're still in? Uh, great question. Uh, before I answer that, I would just want to take a quick minute to, first of all, thank all our frontline workers, especially the healthcare professionals, for just their dedication and the service and the grace in this unprecedented times. So I think, first of all, I want to just extend a thanks and gratitude to all of them. Uh, for us, HealthLink, I think, in many ways, it was a challenging year, but also it was a great year in terms of just the overall business uh, and just how the team came together and then just took on this new challenge that everybody is in uh, and how the team rallied around each other and made sure that we continue to deliver superior service and value to our customers. Tell me a little bit about how the tenor of conversations you're having with clients has evolved over the last couple of months. Um, you know, I think with vaccines, we can sort of see a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, how, how has that changed some of the relationships that you have with clients? Um, you know, what are some of the things that you're hearing now that you know, maybe you weren't hearing six months ago? Yeah, and I think one of probably the big shifts that we have seen is just, again, going back to the thing about the unprecedented times, a lot of it just people were reacting and then just changing tactics. Uh, as, a, as in 2020, even like six months before. Now that with some certainty coming back in their planning and then some normalcy that's going to come about, I think they're a little bit more thinking in terms of strategically where they are headed and then just coming back to a little bit more of normal business cycles and planning cycles, as opposed to let's plan for the next two months or six months to let's plan for next 12, 24, 36 months. Right. So that's probably the biggest change we have seen. How would you characterize the tenor of the conversations? Are people optimistic? Are people cautious based on everything that they've experienced over the last year? Or, you know, maybe maybe almost a mix of the two? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more than anything. And again, it, it, when I compare to the conversations we had before to now, everybody is very optimistic about the prospects for just not only the uh, the economy and just the business prospects, but with the vaccines getting rolled out, I think people are very positive about where we are headed. And I think they have started hearing about like some ambitious plans that they're putting in place and just increasing their investments and looking for some strategic partnerships. All in all, I would say very optimistic in their outlook. But again, having said that, they're also just with where we were last six, nine months, there is definitely a degree of uh, caution, right? But I would say if I have to just assess the overall tone, definitely more optimistic than cautious at this point. Um, you mentioned over the course of that answer a little bit about some of the plans. HealthLink obviously knows digital quite well. Um, tell me a little bit about how HealthLink has 
adapted to make sure that, you know, you are accommodating clients and some of their ambitions and some of their goals. You know, what are some of the things that HealthLink can facilitate now that maybe it couldn't have prior to all of this? Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that I would say is the digital is not something new to us or to the to our customers, right? I think probably if there is anything that has changed significantly is about just the amount of emphasis the digital got relative to what it was in 19 or 18, right? In that sense, I think it's definitely been more emphasis. And I guess it was the only channel to the greatest extent, right? For So in that sense, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that we have amplified our, serv- uh, our services or products, but it is in terms of the service levels that we offer and then just helping our customers to deal with this new world with an increased emphasis on digital. I think that's where probably we have improved our services to be a lot more hands-on with our customers in terms of just helping them to react to this new world that they're in. Um, You actually partially answered my next question, but uh, give give me sort of a digital state of the union right now. You know, it's a very broad, very all-encompassing question, given the variety of you know companies and organizations within the healthcare realm. But um, in, in your mind, what are some of the top of mind priorities when you look at you know digital communications in and around healthcare circa early March 2021? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that I would say is the digital is the main uh, marketing channel. So within there, obviously, email continues to be the top of mind and the primary vehicle. But we also have seen significant uh, investments and demand for programmatic services. I think that's been a huge avenue uh, from a digital marketing standpoint, right? So I think we have seen, I mean, in the last 18 to 24 months uh, on, in our own business that we have seen almost 100 to 200% business increase in those channels. And then programmatic has been just something that I think everybody is if they haven't already uh, invested in it, um, they ha- they are investing it, and the and the folks that are already in that channel or in that um, avenue, they have probably increased their investments even more significantly. Um, does this come as a surprise to you? Is this something that was sort of a natural outgrowth of what we were seeing even prior to March two thousand and twenty, or is this something that was maybe? accelerated a little bit by everything over the last 12 months or so. Yeah, this this did not come as a surprise to us. Actually, this we thought was just a natural outgrowth of all the things that were happening even before COVID. But I think what COVID did was it essentially just really uh, accelerated it, right? While we would have gotten to this place uh, or eventually, but I think COVID made it necessary that we move, we needed to move faster and we needed to accelerate and so it, it, it put it on supercharge, I guess, if, that, if that's the word that I want to use. To that end, I know another trend that we talked about a little bit previously was some of the shifting of budgets from, you know, face-to-face interactions to digital ones. You know, it, it's the kind of thing where, you know, in any of the marketers that we speak to, a lot of the physicians and, you know, device manufacturers, everyone that we speak to, there's this desire to be face-to-face with, you know, with people once again. However, a lot of them are saying like, you know what, I'm not sure, you know, we, our business has held up pretty well amid all of this. I'm not sure if I'm going to have the budget to go back out and spend however much money we were spending on this trade show or that trade show or anything else. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about how those budgets 
have shifted and, you know, whether you see him coming back. Yeah, I mean, obviously the budgets have definitely shifted more towards digital, if not exclusively towards digital, because all the other channels were essentially just kind of were shut out, right? So in that sense, will we go back to the split that was there prior to uh, pre-COVID? I don't think that's going to be the case. But what we have seen is there is definitely going to be more emphasis on digital as far as budgets go, even post-COVID. But having said that, I think there is still a time and place for in-person meetings and events and uh, facilitations uh, as to what percentage of that do they get budget allocation. I think we just had to watch and see. But it's definitely we can see with the efficiencies that people have seen, there is going to definitely be a permanent shift to more emphasis on digital than before. It's funny, we were when we were talking a little bit about the results of um, the healthcare marketers survey that we mentioned before, one of the numbers jumped out at both of us. You know, the number was that I think 86% of marketers are devoting budget to reaching physicians, HCPs. And I think both of us looked at it in the context of like, you know, only 86%. <laughs> I mean, is, is there any, is there any kind of, I mean, is there any way to exist in the marketing universe right now without doing digital? I mean, I mean, I guess I may come across as biased with my response. Yeah. I, I, if anybody who's not doing digital in this day and age, I'm not sure what world that they're living in. Right. <laughs> so I think of those folks who are in that other 14%, either misread that or just want to mess with us, right? So that's how I look at it. Because <laughs> in this day and age, I cannot imagine anybody that's not investing in digital. So, uh, um, Another number um, that I think both of us called out was the new emphasis on um, hospital marketing. Um, yeah. You know, I think uh, that was also flagged in the U.S. News and World Report survey that came out a little while ago. Tell us a little bit about that. Why, why now has that accelerated? I mean, it's almost counterintuitive with hospitals being so busy that there would be the opportunity to, you know, pin down some of these people? Well, I think, I mean, the two things that we can think of is in hospitals, there are certain, obviously certain departments are a lot more busier than the others. And so there is some time that they have available that probably there's some of these surveys and, uh, and the marketing hasn't gotten the attention before, but now that they have some extra bandwidth to uh, allocate to this, right? So that's that's one aspect of it. And then also just in some ways, when these things happen, businesses have a tendency to go back and just look at how should we be doing things differently? So it just gives them an opportunity to kind of, in some ways, hit the reset button to just understand their strategies and their investments better, right? So I think it could be a combination of those two. How about the increases in budgets uh, devoted towards um, NPs, nurse practitioners, and a physician's assistance? You know, certainly over the last couple of years, we've seen those budgets jump, but this year they really jumped. Um, t- t- take us a little bit behind that. Uh, what, what are you seeing from your side? Yeah, we have we have definitely seen a significant increase in uh, in the demand for the NPPAs and it's it's almost 70% is what we have seen uh, from a year over year standpoint and that seems to have further accelerated in Q4 um, so I, I think that's one uh, it could just be I don't think it's necessarily just related to COVID I think it's just general shift in the marketplace where with the NPPAs being able to either have the full control uh, to 
write the prescriptions or uh, have a significant ability to do that. I think that's only increasing. So they have the autonomy to do that. That is, again, we see that is going to be a permanent increase in kind of emphasis on reaching out to the NPs and PAs in the marketplace. I mean, re- really, in a way, is the surprise from the survey that, you know, these numbers hadn't skyrocketed any sooner. Um, you know, NPs and PAs, certainly they yeah. have more privileges and abilities than they did, you know, two, three, four years ago. But who, who are we being seen by more and more, right? Yeah. And then also, I think as the budgets got shifted, digital is definitely a lot more an efficient channel to invest your dollars, right? So you get a lot more return for your dollars. So in that sense, also, there could be a, an increase in just not only emphasis on digital, but just having the much wider spectrum uh, to of people to go after, right? Turning to some of the more surprising findings from the um, survey, I think both of us agreed on this. We were both a little surprised by the amount of budget and the amount of attention that social is generating right now for physicians. You know, I think there was always a sense that, well, this is something that's fun, but in terms of being entirely useful, we're not sure. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that's that's the one that we kind of scratching our heads uh, as well, is right. So, I mean, I think. Uh, we're seeing a lot of data about social being a, a very attractive channel, but we're also seeing on the flip side, uh, uh, MDDOs are not that crazy about just being targeted on the social channels, right? So it's, I think that is something that we are watching very closely as to where the truth lies between those two extreme data points that we are seeing. But yeah, that that's a, that's a definite... Uh, head scratcher for us as well. Is it possible that, you know, when you say social at this point, you almost have to break social down? I mean, I would imagine that there are certain channels like, you know, reaching out to somebody via, say, Doximity might be quite different than reaching out via a personal Facebook page. Yeah. Should we have broken that down (laughs) a little bit? Yeah, that's absolutely right, right? I mean, especially uh, last year with the whole election cycle and stuff like that, social just got such a bad rep, right? I mean, some of it is probably deserved, some of it may not be. But again, it's like what social channel is, uh, what social media channels probably has a big uh, implication to that. Uh, maybe that's what is missing in our survey when we pull everything together into one broader bucket. And of course, any discussion of social leads us right into mobile. HealthLink has a very robust um, yeah. SMS plan. Tell me your outlook for mobile, independent of the survey or anything else that we're seeing. Where is HealthLink right now in its work on, in the mobile realm? I mean, mobile is a really an interesting uh, technology and platform for us. So we have tools that we we are investing heavily, but we are cautious in terms of just how we deploy that. And again, this is a little bit more personally for us. I mean, living in Georgia, November and December has not been kind for us from a text to targeting with the <laughs> amount of dollars that got put into the election cycle last year, right? So I think we got bombarded. So personally, for me, just I got really vexed with some of that SMS SMS messages that are getting our way. But I think there is, a, there is definitely a place where uh, I think used judiciously and where the uh, professionals find value. I think the text an SMS has a place, right? It's, it's again, it's not like one or the other. I mean, like all these are various 
channels to reach the uh, healthcare providers, but it's about how do we do it with respect and using those technologies judiciously so that uh, we're delivering value. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the word judiciously is the uh, big one there, especially given the assault that you were under during November and December. Is that it? Is 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 mobile is such a powerful lure? I know within the consumer realm, is part of doing mobile well building restraint somehow into <laughs> into a program, basically making it so that you can't overdo it to a point where you know somebody feels like they're almost under assault. Yeah, that that's exactly right. Right. I mean, at the at the end of the day, it one is. How do you make sure that when you do deliver something to somebody, it's of value to them, right? That 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 has to be the number one goal. If you don't deliver of anything value, then you're just spamming them, right? That that's not going to get you any results. And then the second thing is on mobile, if you're just getting bombarded as a consumer and as a professional, and it's so many messages are coming at you, uh, it's not like email where it's easier to ignore that right or you can just put uh, create rules for them messages to be forwarded to different folders and stuff whereas with text messaging you can't necessarily do that at least so far right so i think it that's why it becomes really critical in terms of just how you respect the recipient and then how you judiciously use that channel and i think this is where it becomes critical is it's not either or it's how do you use all these channels, whether it's email or whether it's the social or whether it's programmatic or whether it's mobile, how do you think through all those things and use it in a very cohesive and strategic way? And that's where I think our conversations with our clients have been really helpful. And then for us to be rather than just somebody who is a vendor, how can we be a partner to them and think through those kinds of uh, challenging questions? To that end, um, in those conversations, how do you help them achieve the balance that you just you just referenced? Obviously, no two situations are alike, but at the same time, are there any kind of guiding principles that you have during these conversations? Are there any kind of uh, like, all right, here is here, here's our secret sauce without asking you to give away the secret. Yeah, and I think whether you call the secret sauce or not, I think that just the way that we approach it is, I mean, again, you'll probably hear this and say, okay, this is, this is such a common sense. The number one is really understanding what are you trying to achieve, right? So I think being very clear about your objectives going into whether it's a campaign or whether it's a program that you're running. And then the second thing is, again, we always want to walk in the shoes of the recipient and then see how, how they receive that message, how they receive that campaign. And I think if you can just make sure that you are clear in your objectives or understanding of your objectives, and then also how your message is landing with the recipient. And then if you just keep those two at the forefront of your design. And again, there is no there is no secret formula. There is no predefined formula. I think every case is different. But I think those are the two guiding principles that I think you always have to think about. At the end of the day, yeah, I mean, uh, we are data people. We are an analytics and technology people, and that's what excites us. But we have to always keep in mind that the goal of it is technology and the data are the tools. But uh, the goal is to make sure that we meet those objectives for our customers. I'd like to close with a question or two about what's next, um, you know, with the caveat that nobody has any idea what's going to happen three hours from now, much less three months or three years or anything else. Uh, when you look to the end of 2021, the next nine months, 
what, what are some of the top, most top of radar things for you, you know, in addition to some of the ones we've already discussed? Yeah, I mean, I think like we touched on programmatic. I think that will continue to be a big, big uh, growth engine, not only for us, but just in the market. We have invested significantly in that and continue to do so. So that's going to be one of the big ones. And then we did touch on mobile. So we're going to stay close to that. Our approach there is going to be cautious, right? I mean, while we do have the technology platform to do that, but in terms of how we deploy it, we'll be very cautious and measured. And then for us, the key thing is while we are known for our data quality, for our technology and analytics, there's one thing that's common across everybody in my team is their relentless focus on our customers, right? So I think understanding what our customers' needs are and making sure that we we are a partner and we stay uh, as a partner for them, uh, I think is really key for us. How that changes our plans in the next three, six, nine months, I think it's, I mean, for us, if there is one thing that uh, I truly believe in is, it's not how you plan, but just making sure that you stay agile and um, react quickly and change your plans, right? So that's, if COVID taught us anything, it's that is just the people who can adopt quickly and change plans and course correct. I think those are the ones that come out ahead and, and that's how we approach our own business as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, flexibility is going to be number one on the skills of, uh, you know, resumes, uh, you know, introductory letters and everything else. Because if you're not flexible right now, you don't really uh, stand a chance of dealing with all the stuff that's being thrown at us. Amar, one last question for you. Um, you know, we just addressed the nearer term future. Uh, tell me a little bit about beyond 2021 with HealthLink obviously growing and you know, doing extremely well. What, what are some of the things that you eye as you consider the company's continued evolution? Um, you know, what are some of the most important boxes you want to check heading out of 2021 um, into the uh, great beyond? Yeah, I mean, for one of the big things uh, for us is data is going, it, data, if it, if it hasn't, it is going to become even more and more integral to how we provide healthcare, how we uh, communicate and, and how we run businesses and how we work. For us, we are in the middle of having some of the greatest uh, data assets and then the capabilities around data. So it's about how do we take all the data that we have and create additional data solutions and analytics to provide more value to our customers, right? So that's that's essentially where we are headed. And, and like I said, I mean, this is, I, I hate to repeat this, but our goal is to be a partner to our clients, not just a vendor. And I think that's, that is going to be the philosophy that we use in how we plan for our business. And I think with our capabilities and with the team that we have in place, uh, I'm really excited about where HealthLink is headed, not just the next 12 months, but the next three, five years. Um, you're optimistic about where HealthLink is headed. Um, are you optimistic in general? You know, are we going to come out of 2021 in a better place than we are right now? Absolutely. And I think it just I mean we are already seeing some of that in the overall outlook, but I think there are some great lessons learned during the COVID while it was challenging and it was tragic on many, for many reasons, but also it has made us stronger, it made us resilient, not only as Americans, but also as businesses and as healthcare professionals. I think we have come around where we are a lot more resilient as a group of people. And I'm, I'm very excited and hopeful for the future. Here is to resilience. Um, here's to you and HealthLink. And 
many, many thanks for coming on and speaking with us today. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate the time. Thank you. All right. For the MMM podcast, this is Larry Dilgrau. Many thanks for listening and come back soon. Thank you.